That's on top of everything else that we know and don't know yet, based on what we've just been able to see. And because we've seen it or not, doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But just limited to what we have seen. So basically, that's wrong. Here's a test. Are you ready? Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Get to the chopper! Milk was a bad choice. This is the Brian Suits Show. Hey, I'm some subject KTTH Brian Suits here. Uh, blast from the past, Richard Nixon. Laying out what 2022 would look like. Vladimir Putin laying out what November of 2022 uh, will look like. And someone points out that I never paid, in the 6 a.m. hour, I never paid off what to do with that unwanted human skull. A a, a letter, uh, an email to the New York Times. Uh, that answer also, by the way, at 830, we will check your text at 800 465 uh, back in a second. Also, some uh, some timeless wisdom from uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida. Uh, that and more coming up right after this. Let's get to work with our right-way traffic. Hey, I'm 770 KTTH. Brian Suits here. And uh, some uh, serious questions about the future of the all-volunteer force. Uh, all, all the services are having problems recruiting uh, new people. And so retaining the ones already in is becoming a focus. Well, that's only if you think national defense is uh, is is key and strategic and uh, all of that. Um, the European Union uh, this morning, un- unless ninety percent of, of your electricity is uh, delivered by a nuclear power, like France, uh, but they're being told, eh, yeah, you're going to want to conserve at, at least fifteen percent uh, because. Putin is just playing footsie with cutting off the natural gas, playing games like the old, the old broken turbine ploy. Remember that? Uh, so that ploy is come and gone, and the European Union, uh, was, the ones with memories anyway, uh, are remembering that November, December can be pretty cold in the Europe. Um, and so we'll, we'll we'll get to all that uh, this hour. Uh, Jason Rance uh, in the five o'clock hour is going to talk to the the nephew of the uh, now deceased man, <clears throat> the uh, the man uh, beaten very badly in early July at Bellevue Transit Center. Uh, he died last night at Harborview, um, and uh, it, it it a a failure at at the the county level, the state level, possibly even the federal level. But then again, they don't know to be there with the van if the county doesn't call them. Um, anyway, I'm dancing around that one. Uh, we'll we'll be uh, uh, listening there at five o'clock. Well, so uh, so what is this? What what is this audio from producer Greg? This is Richard Milhouse Nixon, former U.S. president, first American president uh, to resign. Mm-hmm. I'm very, I'm proud of my daughter. One time she had a teacher say that Nixon was impeached, and she knew because she had asked me, "Well, what does impeachment?" And and I said, "No, no." He resigned because he was going to be impeached. He was not impeached. And she, is, she corrected a, a teacher. That's historically correct. And in 1992, uh, Nixon gave an interview to a media outlet. This was just two years before he passed away. He, he looks very old in this clip. But he's talking about the fall of the Soviet Union and what the future holds for Russia. And this clip went viral this week. And uh, I thought uh, it was worth playing here. Let's take a listen. Uh, because what has happened is that the communists have been defeated, uh, but the ideas of freedom now are on trial. If they don't work, there will, there will be a reversion to not communism, which has failed, 
but what I call a new despotism, which would pose a mortal danger uh, to the rest of the world because it would have be infected with the virus of Russian imperialism, which of course has been a characteristic of Russian foreign policy for centuries. We begin with that. Therefore, the West has, the United States has, all those who want peace and freedom in the world, a great stake in freedom succeeding in Russia. If it succeeds, it will be an example for others to follow. It will be an example for China, for example, to follow, uh, for the other communist states, the few that remain. If it fails, it means that the hardliners in China will get a new life. They will say, it failed there. There's no reason for us to turn to democracy. That's part of what is at stake here. I mean, my goodness. Spot on. Uh, the oracle that is <clears throat> Richard Milhouse Nixon. He like, nailed it. I mean, just eight years later is when Putin ascended to power. Well, what 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 he didn't know in 1992 and, and, and what he died before, you know, discovering was that the United States uh, was not going to engage uh, Russia successfully. We instead spiked the football several times on him. You know, the whole thing, what we didn't appreciate in 1992, even though it was spelled out by defectors, was that there was a state within the state. The KGB state is what propped up the Soviet Union, and it didn't collapse. It never did. In fact, it, it attempted a coup, and the coup failed because the coup leaders were, were largely drunk. Um, and then you, then you get the chaos of the alcoholics. Speaking of drunks... The, the mayor of Moscow, ladies and gentlemen, Boris Yeltsin, over here dancing for you. Take a bow. So, so then you get Boris Yeltsin, the chaos of Boris Yeltsin, who made a deal. Because he, he knew damn well, just like every oligarch, every English Premier League owner who's from Russia, they all benefited from the KGB mafia state. And it, it never collapsed. And, and it, it never allowed a real threat to its power. It's hospitals, it's stores that were exclusive to them, and of course, their their crowning achievement is this chap, um, this Vladimir Putin, uh, who who benefited from the Soviet Union, longs for its uh, glorious past, um, and then he got in the the inner circle, of the inner circle in the KGB, and they never collapsed. The but sure, they changed their letterhead. Yeah, so let's go with FSB. You know, okay, great. Um, he, he never saw it. So democracy never had a chance in Russia. And, and Russians told us, no, there's, the skeleton is still there. Just not of communism. The KGB were not communists. They were watchers. They were surveillers. But Nixon's absolutely correct. As any, any even perfunctory reading of Russian history will, will tell you, since Peter the Great, yeah, they they like empire. They they love it. They I mean it was it was Poland was theirs. Finland was theirs. It was all theirs. And they were glorious then. And now the world has stomped on them for you know thir- I mean literally they sit around uh, drinking saying this that the world used to fear them. I remember growing up as a boy in 1979 Reagan was afraid of us. He called us the evil empire. Wouldn't that you know, high five, you know and all that. And now look at us. Uh, we can't even successfully invade a neighbor right next. We can't even resupply a tank that's 50 miles inside Ukraine. And so Nixon's absolutely correct about that. The time period between 1990 and 1999 is way understudied and should be looked at at length and analyzed uh, because well, we, we were busy spending the peace dividend. Remember the peace dividend? I don't remember the peace dividend. Peace dividend. That? 
you know, there there you know, this time in 1989, there were 400,000 American troops plus their families in West Germany and mm. Italy. The peace dividend was, oh, we won victory parade, hey, you know, and we we got to do a practice run. We got to, we got the Iraqi army that we got to practice the concept on. We're like, ah, we're pretty badass. This is they look till missiles really work. Um, and, and, and so that happened. Um, but thinking that we were in the aftermath of a war, you know, and then, and then getting all the former Warsaw Pact countries to, to sidle up and go, um, hi, hi, can I be your friend, please? Because they knew something about the Russians. They were like, whatever, communism collapsed. Now they're just Russians. Like, like that's better. And, and that's why you get a Poland, the entire Baltic states, you know, and all that. So Nixon was right. He was also correct about the second part of that, where he said, if it fails in Russia, it'll just embolden the Chinese. Yes. Which, hell yeah. Which because we're seeing right now. Everybody from, from, from Deng Xiaoping on to right now to the Emperor Xi, um, they, they said, look what happened to those a-holes in Russia. You know, they, they tried. But with the second they stopped being effective as communists, they, they had nothing but chaos the average life expectancy went down to 53, you know, and, and, and all that. It, it absolutely empowered the Chinese Communist Party to say, see, see, this is why we harvest your kidneys if you oppose us. This is why if you believe in Falun Gong or this, uh, this uh, Allah, uh, you're going to make iPhones until you collapse and we're going to take your kidneys because we know what we're doing. And it, it, he, he's right. Nixon was right in 92. He was right in 72. By God, too. In 73. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, back in a second. Let's get you to work with our right-way traffic. AM 770 KTTH. Brian here. And uh, you're going to want to text to 800-465-8770. We'll do check your text here at 830. Um, <clears throat> and the January 6th committee's final hearing is tomorrow night. It's in prime time. Uh, is it really going to be the last hearing? Apparently, I thought they were going to draw this out all the way to October. So. I, I yeah, I, I, it's so far it's the final season of Game of Thrones for me. <laughs> so this is tomorrow night's going to be the last one. Well, their their big um, their big piece of resistance uh, is um, uh, did did everybody see the Lego movie? What was it? Adults and kids, Mister Business or something was yeah. the evil guy in that. That movie? was such a good movie. And Lego Batman was great too. Anyway, the, the they they were saying the piece of resistance. Uh their their great piece of resistance was gonna be uh secret service texts from January fifth and sixth, specifically from the day of the sixth. And the Secret Service uh, explained, well, we had a we had an upgrade and uh we all the texts were wiped. And that smells to high heaven for a couple different reasons. I mean, it's it's laughable. But it's also laughable that they they have to buy the explanation. Um, but anyway, the Jan 6 committee wanted those records, which could have had information about President Donald Trump's actions before and during the Capitol attack. And by the way, um, sort of bearing the lead here, Washington Post, the January 6 committee knows what was in those texts. They just don't have them. And so and they're never going to get them now. So a, a re- this is what the Secret Service said. <clears throat> a reset and replacement of agency cell phones in mid-January of 2021 purged many messages, even though agents were told to save them. 
No. Well, look at this. Think of that. What's really funny is watching CNN uh, and MSNBC react to this news because now they're breaking this news that pre- oftentimes presidents will uh, will learn to mesh with certain Secret Service details and, and not with others, and they'll quietly say, eh, you know, he's, he's a bit of a, get him off my detail. I don't like it. Obama did it. Bush, Bush did it. Reagan did it. They all do it. And of course, Trump did that. And, and so now they're now they, they, I saw a story earlier today. I heard it on my way in. Can Biden trust his Secret Service detail and all this? And, and it's funny. They 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 bounce from, you know, absolutely back the blue as long as they're D.C. police and Capitol Police and they're all heroes and all thing um, to, well, can the president even trust them? And uh, so anyway, that's it, it might end with a thud, not a bang um, <clears throat> uh, tomorrow. So uh, we'll see. Uh, so I, I got a. Uh, did you preview the Ron DeSantis vi- audio? I couldn't I get it to, to play. I can try to get it to play over here. This is um, energy is going to be. A, by the way, whoever is responsible for the gas prices going down. Thank you. I, I know that the president's not responsible for them going up. He seemed to think that he had the power to just tweet, do it now, get the price down now. However, it's energy is going to continue to be a story because uh, the Russians are absolutely ginning up a crisis so that when they cut off natural gas to Western Europe, they'll learn their lesson. Don't send howitzers to Ukraine. Don't, Don't send ammunition that kills Russian soldiers to Ukraine. Um, However, the Europeans keep saying, uh, never forget in Holocaust and the whole thing. Well, uh, listen, it's like you're you're a drug addict, and you're you're telling your drug dealer not to kick his puppy, or the puppy next to him. It was it wasn't his. He's lying. He doesn't have the papers for it. Um, and, and then you're shocked when your drug dealer uh, suddenly doesn't have product for you. Th- that's exactly what's happening. Brilliant analogy, me. Um, well, Ron. So, what what's DeSantis talking about? On, on he was speaking this week at the Florida State College at Jacksonville, and let's see if this audio works here. How come it's wrong to produce our own oil and gas here, but you can go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump to try to get it from Saudi? I mean, it makes no sense that we wouldn't do it. We have opportunities here to be energy independent and not have to worry about any of these other countries. And yet they're intentionally not doing it. And well, it, I hope it, this isn't dead air. <laughs> I could hear it in the right speaker. In the studio, yeah, but not the left. Uh, so uh, if it was in the off chance it was there here, let me hit dump. I'll dump. Out OK, the quote is, how come it's wrong to produce our own oil and gas here? But you can go to Saudi Arabia and fist bump to try to get it from the Saudis. This is similar to a point that Kevin Williamson was making in a brilliant national review piece this week on how Biden's trip to the Middle East was wholly unnecessary and looked a tad obsequious. And Biden didn't need to do that. You talk about disingenuous, the, the guy who, like, one of his first acts, the, the seat wasn't warmed up, and he, and he stopped the, uh, the Keystone Pipeline um, and, and the whole thing. And, I, you know, if, if you're using a moral prism for your oil and, and all that, can't, last I checked, the Canadians haven't dismembered anyone, any of their political opponents. Justin Trude- it's not for lack of wanting to. I think Justin Trudeau is a, a little mini dictator with an, with an awesome haircut. But um, as far as we know, 
they don't dismember opponents up in Canada yet. Um, and, and so getting energy from a reliable neighbor uh, that uh, claims to celebrate freedom and all that, uh, somehow that's more loathsome than debasing yourself by going to Saudi Arabia. And if that that's the, the, the nonsense that goes through this guy's mind and the, everyone behind him. Um, because at the at the core, the same people that hold their hands behind their back because they were arrested yesterday in front of the Supreme Court, they're the ones who who are are sitting here pushing alternative energy and just won't. On the one hand, they'll say, "Oh, but the science and the science and the science." Well, the common sense of <clears throat> uh, 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 of reliable energy that that is the most efficient right now. And that if you and we're really what it boils down to is the election is going to be based on what we're paying at the stores. It's going to be based on inflation and if gasoline may have come down. But have you seen diesel lately? That's still six sixty nine, six fifty nine. I'm unequivocally not a protectionist or an isolationist. But if there were ever a time to produce and make more stuff in the United States, it's right now. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I you know, I've noticed. Safeway not only has stores, but there's trucks that say Safeway on them. I wonder what they're carrying in those trucks. The trucks look pretty diesely to me. And uh, transportation is the the final big cost in uh, in the food that you put in your in your head hole. Um, it, it's just it's crazy to me that that you're the bad guy. And listen, I I don't know what to say about Europe's slow suicide, and and, and here they are. Thinking it's green uh, to to tax farmers into non-existence or something. Okay, um, Brian. If I'm a lead farmer, if you had to make a choice in which crisis do you address first, or which one is more crucial to stability in the world, uh, is it the food shortages or the energy shortages? Uh, the wheat fields burning up, and the blockades in the Black Sea, or it's lack a Putin of natural gas in Germany. It's the Putin shortage uh, right right now because you can't unring the bell that was rung in February, March, April, May. Uh, there's going to be instability around the world here in a few months because because of food, uh, energy instability already cost, and food instability cost a, a government Sri Lanka, but they had a one year head start. <laughs> that was they cheated. They cheated on the rest of the world with a one year head start on that cell phone. Um, I, 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 or cell phone. Uh, I, I would deal with Putin crisis first, um, be, because right now um, he's losing a lot of people, but he's about to win, and it, and it's, it's, it would be for lack of will on the part of the West if he won, uh, but he's about to win. He's about to make a move um, that was entirely predictable, and I'm surprised he didn't start the war with it, except that he. He likes making literally a billion a day in in uh, the equivalent in rubles because he's making Western Europe pay for the natural gas that they still are using. And they're going to be using it for, for 10 years. And he's making a billion dollars a day. And moments ago, uh, Ukraine's, Ukraine's first lady just addressed Congress. And we might have some clips from that. But yes, you're exactly right. The situation is dire. And for many Americans, the war in Ukraine is kind of peripheral, but it's central to many, many millions. Uh, yeah, and, and this is this is the problem. Um, the advantage and disadvantage of 2022 is that we're globally connected. 
And and that's that. So you you may be done with Europe, but Europe's not done with with you. Uh, back in a second, AM seven seventy. We'll check your text at 800-465-8770. Let's get you to work with our right way traffic. I'm Sim Sophie KTG. For instance, here it's 8:30 here on the West Coast, of the United States of America. This is the time that we check your text. And the First Lady of Ukraine, speaking in Ukrainian through via translator, talking to Congress with a horrific slideshow. By the way, it's a setup for for, for the pitch. Um, and, uh, so we'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. I'm actually, I'm logged in. I have, uh, texts ready to go. Well, this is a first for you. Uh, uh, Greg, have you ever heard of John Smoltz? Uh, th- former think... Atlanta Braves pitcher, correct? Yeah. Is well, he we were in talking the broadcast about, booth now? We were talking about the, the team, the broadcast team for the All-Star game last night. And the, uh, John Davis is a guy that I didn't, I didn't know. And I don't have an excuse because he, he is the, the Doyers, uh, announcer now that, uh, Vince Scully has retired. And, um, and then the other guy is John Smoltz, who's now been in the booth for a couple of years since the day after he retired. And he's, he's really good. He's, he's fairly, uh, plain spoken. I heard DeSantis crystal clear in the right headset. Oh, good. So, yeah. So, no uh, dead air we have confirmation. <laughs> Um, from 66 area code, uh, I was reading you the heroic story of Saul the Border Collie. Uh, thanks for the highlight. Thanks for highlighting the loyal, smart Border Collie. Uh, the goodest dog. Correct. They are the best boys. Aaron from Kenmore writes, Brian, can you please help explain why Turkish President Erdogan is meeting in Tehran with Putin, given their rocky relationship and the fact that Turkey is a NATO country? Yeah. Uh, What's going on there? He is he's he's a bit of a of a bee for Putin. He he's he's interceding. Erdogan's there in Tehran for for a couple reasons. He hates the Iranians. The Iranians hate him uh, unless they don't. Um, but he's there with messages from NATO. Putin is there to threaten him and say, "Hey, no more of these drones for Ukraine. This this uh, this TB two thing. This by Rakhtar." it's killed hundreds of Russians in their tanks. And Erdogan's like, well, you know what? Rubles talk, uh, BS walks. And cause he's made, we're, we're quietly paying Turkey to ramp up the, the resupply of Ukraine with these very, these small lethal drones. It's funny. The Turks found a niche in the market that we just don't have. And we, we have the small individually launched suicide drones. And then we have the big 737 style, argue for global hawk and all that in between the the turks are like well how about small cheap and lethal let's who wants that and so they've they've practically cornered the market on that putin hates that he also hates the fact that he, he's been caught flat-footed he flew to tehran the iranians didn't fly to him though there was a party a while ago uh that came up to moscow with some demos um putin's down there because the iranians said Listen, you want our drones? We 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 make drones fast, cheap, and lethal too. But you got to get down here and be on our side, um, and and block this stupid nuclear deal because we got to get a bomb. And the current nuclear deal is stupid anyway because in Geneva we're down the block from the Iranians, and we and the Russians are the go-betweens. It's it's ridiculous, but it's 
Um, er- Erdogan is uh, the stated reason is that it's just a summit of regional powers and all this. He's there on behalf of NATO, and that's if you trust him to accurately pass on uh, a message. But but Putin is mortified that he had to fly to Tehran and beg for drones. And then did you see what happened? The the Iranians made him wait for one full minute. I did see that <clears throat> video on social media he, today. He is so uncomfortable in his own skin when he's not in control. He doesn't like waiting for but people. But that that's his that's his uh, party trick is to he he wants he made the pope wait for 2 hours once. He this is what he does and so for the Iranians to be like, "Uh, oh, oh, what what is it uh, uh CPT?" <laughs> no, okay. Let's uh, go meet uh, with Putin, and he sat there just uncomfortably with his hands in front, waiting, just waiting here, waiting for the mullah, the ayatollah, whoever you are, just get in here. Somebody, somebody in a man dress, someone with a towel on their head, get in here. Where are you? I'm, and and uh, so anyway, they, they, that that's what happened. A kind word about Jimmy Carter incoming from the five four one. Say what you will about Carter, but he had reservations about the USA selling advanced oil drilling equipment to the Soviet Union as NATO nations would be vulnerable in times of east-west turmoils. Well, Hitler built good highways there, Jimmy Carter. <laughs> yeah, Say what you will about him. Uh, but but um, but nevertheless, it was done. It was a done. It, it, it happened before Carter, happened after Carter. It, Carter could have done what Reagan did. It was Reagan who sabotaged the the Russian gas lines. And they it took him, what mortified the Russians about that was, took him years to figure out why their natural gas pipeline was going bluey um, from Siberia to uh, to Europe. From the 360, I've made it a point to try to be more positive lately. Well, that's good. Eternal optimist. But every time I see someone with a mask on driving their car, it reminds me that we just might be a doomed species. Oh, my Idiocracy God. is a now a documentary. Still happening. Still it happening. Is, I, and I'm I'm not going to pass on any folksy workplace anecdotes, but if if you get annoyed at guy alone in car with mask on, come here at four a.m. I see people at the park regularly oh. by themselves with yeah, a mask. It's the people who make their kids, their eight year olds, wear masks. Well, and I saw. And I, I don't know. Yeah, they might be medically sure vulnerable. But oh, oh, then why is it the closer you get to Olympia, the more medically vulnerable kids there are? In San Diego, they're reinstituting mask mandates at schools, and parents are not happy about it. Maybe I'll grab some audio for tomorrow, but I just hope that does not return here mm. in Washington State. Um, all right. The the wife of President Vladimir Zelensky spoke to Congress, not in Congress, but in an amphitheater because she brought visual aids, including a, a, a fairly horrific series of photos there was a mother with a six-year-old daughter, on, and she had just posted on Instagram in the city of Vinitsia, which is in, in the western half of Ukraine, far away from the war. And for lack of a better way to put it, Putin terror-missiled the um, city, city square, and the explosion was so powerful that it absolutely dismembered the mother and the little six-year-old girl. The girl had evidently had Down syndrome. And the mother sort of chronicled her development on Instagram and all this. Um, Ten minutes after the the video was uploaded, um, they're killed. And and from the scene, photos of the mother's severed leg and just just horrific photos. And I salute her for making Congress look at that. 
Um, so we'll we'll uh, play you a little bit of that via uh, via translation when we come back. Um, <clears throat> Frank says, "Oh, he's he's texting me a clip uh, from his mother's scrapbook." Well, thank you, Frank. I'll check that out during the uh, during the commercial. And also, someone I was uh, talking about how what I would name a roach coach at the 507 Highway 7 split called the Roy Y. Uh, someone said there used to be a restaurant called Dine at the Y or that in Roy that said Dine at the Y. So someone else thought of that. That's really neat. I wonder if there's a double meaning there. We'll uh, be back right after this. AM 770 KTTH. Let's get you to work with our right-way traffic. Hey, um, 770 KTTH. Uh, real quickly, just to close the circle on this one. Uh, so, first of all, the New, New York Times has an ethicist, and you can write to him with, uh, you know, lifelong conflicts like this one. Long ago, I bought a human skull. What should I do with it? <laughs> the The correct answer uh, on, from the New York Times ethicist on this was um, uh, give it what you would consider a dignified interment. <laughs> How about I should get that? I should get that job because my advice would be maybe don't email the New York Times that you have illegally obtained human skull. Paging Jeffrey Dahmer or what? <laughs> yeah, I would. I'd let my dogs play with it out in the front yard. <laughs> what? What's the worst that could happen? Uh, all right. Uh, and by the way, to I, I, I had it wrong. The the world's most expensive sandwich is $214. It's from New York Serendipity 3 because it has gold flake grilled cheese, uh, champagne bread, and or champagne breaded, I should say, blah, blah, blah. That a woman uh, flying into Australia did a layover in Singapore. She bought a Subway, not, not the world's most expensive sandwich, but she bought a Subway, a chicken footlong Subway. She didn't de- declare it. This is a 19-year-old Australian content creator. Oh, gosh. Uh, yes, that's a thing. Well, it's such a thing right now with the darn kids. Uh, now my family calls me Subway Girl, uh, she says. Uh, she told the Washington Post because she didn't declare it. Uh, she was fined the equivalent of 1,844 real Yankee U.S. World Reserve currency dollars or 2,664 Australian fake pouch marsupial dollars the only thing i have to declare is my genius in this overpriced sandwich yeah and she's on tiktok i never understood the whole gold flakes thing and why like in goldschlager like that schnapps that was big in college but then anything that has the gold flakes on top that's never sounded appetizing to me well let's uh transition to horrific war crimes Uh, nicely done um, first lady of ukraine uh, is Volodymyr Zelensky's uh, wife. Elena. Elena Zelenskaya. When when you marry a Zelensky, you become a Zelenskaya. Um, and she brought slides. She brought she brought video and pictures of war crimes, the whole thing. Congress is sitting there. They have the checkbook and the whole thing. This is this is why she, she's there. That, you know, if it weren't for the United States, never mind NATO, but without the UK and the US the the Ukrainians would have uh, run out of ways to kill the Russians, which they're doing amazingly effectively. 
um, and and though slowly, methodically, the Russians uh, advance, but they're actually losing territory now. Anyway, she's she has the big pitch. She wraps it up with uh, the big pitch here through translator. Unfortunately, the war is not over. The terror continues. And I appeal to all of you on behalf of those who were killed, on behalf of those people who lost their arms and legs, on behalf of those who are still alive and well, and those who wait for their families to come back from the front. I'm asking for something uh, now I would never want to ask. I am asking for weapons. Weapons that would not be used to wage a war on somebody else's land, but to protect one's home and the right to wake up alive in that home. I'm asking for air defense systems in order for rockets not to be killed, not to kill children in their strollers, in order for rockets not to destroy children's rooms and kill entire families. I know that you, ladies and gentlemen, will be leaving for the traditional congressional recess in a week. And all of you will be able to return to your offices in the fall. And probably all of you have already your calendar and schedule for September. This is normal. And it is precisely this normalcy that we Ukrainians are deprived of. And uh, to, to their eternal uh, chagrin or whatever, half of Congress is looking down their phones. Did, did you see that? In I the, did not see that. I oh saw my, McCarthy near the front row. I bet they're pissed at MSNBC and CNN for sweeping the crowd, but half of them are looking down at their phones. Eesh, that's not on, good on that. And uh, so, so anyway, the United States will continue. Uh, the, the The big thing right now is they need they need resupply of ammunition because the Ukrainians are making very good use of the stuff that we're giving them, and the evidence is the fact that the uh, the, the uh, incidence of refusal in the ranks is rampant in the Russian army. Uh, the Russian Air Force is not just incapable of of air superiority and owning the airspace over Ukraine. They're unwilling to. Um, they're they're regardless of the loss of the Moscow, the Russian Navy uh, continues the blockade of Black Sea ports. And that the, the most successful counteroffensive by the Ukrainians is to uh, push back um, in the south and and regain some of their own coastline. Um, on on this and, and uh, by the way, is a little quick little tangent. I know this is so unusual for me, but um, a part of the reason that Erdogan is in Tehran and meeting with Putin and the leaders of of, of Iran <clears throat> uh, is because there is a little known treaty. It's virtually unknown outside of Europe, but it's called the Montreux Treaty, um, and it's amongst the nations that have a piece of the Black Sea, and it's from the thirties. And the uh, it, it's it's it, from the aftermath of World War One, and yeah, Google it, uh, Google Black Sea. You'll see that Turkey is bifurcated by the channel that that joins the Black Sea with the Mediterranean. Turkey literally can control who goes in or out, um, and the the Russians are busy taking looted grain and uh, and bringing it out to the Mediterranean. The the Turks very temporarily uh, held on to a Russian flagged ship last week, and they asked for a ransom. They got the ransom. I mean, if you want to know how to get your freakishly tall, tattooed WNBA stars out out of out of a Moscow cell, ask Erdogan. Um, he he stopped the money train. 
the Russians gave him money and promises, and he said, all right, that way, that way to the Mediterranean, you want to you wanna bear uh, Southwest uh, out of there. They, by all rights, they could stop. the If the U.N. orders them to, he could have the legal right to stop those. But that's not how he operates. He operates on money. He stopped the flood of Syrian refugees because the Europeans bribed him a billion dollars a month. That's Erdogan in a nutshell. So he's he's up for sure, sure he's a NATO ally, uh, but he's he's up for uh, for the highest bidder. And here's uh, John Kirby on Putin's next move. The Russian government is reviewing detailed plans to purportedly annex a number of regions in Ukraine, including Kherson, Zaporizhia, all of Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. This is out of the playbook, and we've seen them do it in the past. Uh, it, but what we're seeing now is a a more concerted, um, uh, more strategic effort, and I, I think that's really about as far as I can go. Uh, it's, he did it in 2008 when he took pieces of Georgia. He did it in 2014 when they took Crimea, because the little green men show up, and right behind them, uh, the the free and fair Russian election monitors show up for the referendum. And it's like a show of hands, who loves Putin? And it's always like 98% of Crimea says, yes, we delight being a part of Russia again. And they're going to, of course, they're going to do that in eastern Ukraine. That was a goal all along. It was the plan all along. They, he just thought he would be on the east bank of the Dnieper River by now. And here he's like, hey, 50,000 dead Russians. And I don't even have the east bank of the Dnieper River. Oh, well, let's cut our losses and have a referendum. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, that, and that'll be his his peace deal was will be a oh it's a ceasefire when it, his his military is about to collapse and 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 oh, just to close that off erdogan can control how many warships the treaty says how many of the countries with a coast um how, how many warships they can have in the black sea it, it literally controls it but anyway very complex Thanks to uh, producer Greg. Tomorrow is oh, tomorrow. We have a, you have a recess coming up, but tomorrow's Friday practice. We'll talk about Greg's uh, recess, uh, upcoming recess, that and more. Uh, back here tomorrow for Friday practice. Brian Suits here, AM seven seventy KTTH.